Mm. Mm. Tea, wake up. Mm. Wake up. Take the tape off your mouth. Ugh. Oh, my God. I was having this crazy dream. I was having a cold plunge, and I was choking on fish oils, and I was drowning, but I couldn't do anything about it because I was totally orientated to getting the photons at the back of my retina. Oh, my God, T. I think you might become a Huberman husband. Oh, no. Well, just you don't become an almond mom, okay? (laughs) I'll do my best. (laughs) Welcome, everybody, to Buddha and the Body Coach. That's Buddha, by the way. Uh, You're here with Alex and T, just about. T's still alive. I think I made it through. (laughs) Don't choke on an almond. Uh (laughs) So welcome to Buddha Bite. Buddha Bites. Buddha Bites. So we're going to be doing this 20-25-minute podcast where we're talking about something that we're both really interested in. And we were thinking about calling it Buddha Bites. I thought it was Buddha Bits. Well, no, because that sounds like Buddha's Bits. Okay, Buddha Bites, Buddha Bits. Okay, whatever. Here it is. Yeah, it's been a while since we've sat down and we've actually recorded a podcast, hasn't it? Yeah, and we've done a couple things, but we won't get into that right now. Let's <laughs> talk about Huberman Husbands. <laughs> well, Huberman Husbands is a kink, actually. That's kind of another thing, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you've got to get your internet lingo right because Huberman Husbands, I've just learned this is a... Uh, a kink where their wives wives like to get their husbands to dress up like Huberman in the bedroom. Uh, with the black shirt and the, yeah. Yeah, and they, they well, talk to them, you know. In the, <laughs> if you go outside <laughs> at 9 a.m. and wait an hour and a half until you have your coffee, then <laughs> you are going to perform at this level or whatever. And apparently that's really hot, so... I see. Well, we better kind of backtrack and actually talk about what well, the, the the term Huberman husband became popularized. There's uh, an article that came out. I think it was on like Medium or something like that, and it was a woman talking about how her husband had all these protocols that he had to do. Um, these protocols kind of fall under what they're calling optimization. About a decade ago, they started talking about this calling it uh, biohacking it's now coined uh, optimization and um, you know it's been something that's been going on as long as humans have been around we're always hacking ourselves or taking this plant medicine or uh, bolstering ourselves in one way or another trying to get some kind of different performance or different experience yeah exactly and like you said it's been it's been around for a long time we we're always wanting to push our limitations and i don't i mean i i love optimizing it's (laughs) well yeah that's why we wanted to do this because we both like optimizing and we both like just the joy and the playfulness of experimenting with different things. That could be a cold plunge or that could be getting, um, we're talking about some of the specifics now, getting sunlight in your eyes, um, not through glass or sunglasses for 
somewhere between two and 20 minutes early in the morning um, because the photons activate something in your eyes and your brain that uh, you can go listen to Andrew Huberman, actually, who we'll be talking about if you want to know exactly what it does, because there's no way I could get into what's happening there. No, I know it's a, it's a deep-rooted science. But, and, you know, I think that it is playful. It can be playful. And we, we as human beings, we're always wanting to test our biology against the environment. And in that way, I think it can be really healthy, but there is definitely a dark side to the culture of optimization. Now, I just want to say that I help high-performing women optimize their health, and that is what I do. So I am not here sticking the knife in people who want to optimize, people who want to be well and who want to be better. I think it's wonderful, but we have got this acceleration of it going on in the culture and it's like okay where do we draw the line when does this thing become a full-time job and why are we doing it (laughs) yeah I mean that's what really what it comes down to what are we trying to achieve we can get so lost in in the programs that we forget about what we're actually doing it for yeah and just going back to the almond mum thing oh yes the almond mom I think a lot of people probably don't know what that is it was quite funny I mean this was I think it started on TikTok. I don't know where exactly the it came from, but TikTok users were impersonating what they called almond mums by pretending to passive aggressively comment on their children's bodies, um, restricting portion sizes, snacking, forget you know, th- telling their their children that they had to forego carbs, order dressing on the side, only eat every few hours, you know, all of this. Or sort counting of stuff. out nine almonds exactly. Yeah, and that's person. where it comes right. from. It's counting yeah. out the almonds, and it's really specific. And actually, I remember this from my bodybuilding days. There was a woman who I used to follow, and she was a coach. In fact, she used to coach Janet Jackson. And it was when, it was in the days when Instagram was just pictures. And every now and then you just get a picture on your feed of like 12 almonds. <laughs> and the term almond mum wasn't around then, but she was obviously an almond mum. Oh, right. Exactly. So it was a thing. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I, I think what you're starting to see from what we're talking about is these things can kind of stand in for other things that we need, like a sense of safety, security, contentment, wellness, well-being. It's not going to come ultimately just from how many almonds you eat or how much sunlight you get in the morning. Those things might help, and those things might become an obsession that you have to get over with later. Mm. And I just, I mean, I just want to say that Back in 2015, this is this is a little bit cringe, but I was actually calling myself a biohacker. <laughs> Just in case anybody goes and searches back over any of my blogs and calls me out. I mean, I was I was really into experimenting with my biology, and I kind of still am in a way. But you know, I I was doing yoga, and as you pointed out when we were discussing this tea a little bit earlier, I mean yoga is a a biohacking experience 
it is, you know, that's what we're kind of doing. Yeah, yoga, pranayama, all these different practices and or Ayurveda where they're dripping oil on your head. They're all different practices to somehow alter or stimulate or affect the human being, the human organism, right? Yeah, exactly. Essentially externally most of the time. Yeah, but I mean, I hate the term biohacking now. I mean, I, I dropped that <laughs> a long time ago. And, um, and you know, I, there's a, but there's still a part of me that really likes to play with that. Um, but what I found quite interesting, you know, being immersed in this culture, because I am a body coach, I'm in the health and wellness arena, just seeing all these shifts and changes across the years and how we had, we had the culture of wellness, which was actually very female for a long time. And men kind of were not allowed into the wellness arena if you wanted to still be masculine anyway. It was considered high vibe and it was a soft experience. And then it kind of, it became, I think it became a little bit tainted with the whole goop thing. I mean, there was a problem. There was a so, lot so appropriate up. that it would be tainted with goop. <laughs> I know. That's what an appropriate name. With a goop's vagina-scented candle. <laughs> yeah, I think that was kind of the uh, well. That 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 was kind of the pinnacle of the wellness movement, wasn't the the vag candle? Well, yeah, and I think that it kind of became a little bit of a laughing stock. Right. You know, and then it was pointed out that it was all a little bit individualistic and that you know it was quite it was occupied by privileged white women and marginalized people were not allowed into the spaces and all of that and so this whole idea of the the let's say the ideal of wellness was was challenged and brought down and then this other form of wellness, because that's what it is, came in for men, but it's under this different umbrella of um, it's the it's science, it's the it's data, you know, it's um, what's the word that I'm looking for? It's biohacking, but we don't call it that anymore, and it allows men to come into this. And to actually, you know, on one hand, it allows them to look after themselves, right? Because men have never been allowed to do that. You know, it allows them to be rugged and macho whilst looking after themselves. Didn't you have some phrase that was like women were women were vibes and men were science or something like that? Or what was that? Yeah, that was that was actually from a a Guardian article. And that was oh. by Emma. Science, not vibes. Yeah, science, science not, not vibes. vibes. That was it. Yeah. yeah, Emma Brocks wrote that article in the Guardian, and it was it was kind of funny. And she actually, you know, compared and contrasted the the female wellness space with the the male optimization. Yeah. So so one is kind of centered space. more on how you feel, and the other one is centered around how you perform or what how you test out, for instance. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you know, the 
the, the male space it's char- characterized i guess by huberman but there are other men we were talking about this like joe rogan he was probably one of the first and i think more people probably know joe rogan yeah, he than really they do popularized huberman. a lot of this stuff along with neck exercises and and strong kicks <laughs> yeah oh and there was dave asprey as well oh right 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 the bulletproof guy yeah, yeah. like he, he's often considered like the father of biohacking although sure. we obviously know i mean people have been doing this yeah what are some of the what are some <laughs> of the thing, things you can think of i immediately think of when they fed the greco-roman wrestlers back in the uh ancient olympics and they would just feed them these great slabs of meat to <laughs> To bulk them up. Well, that's kind of a biohack, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Trephining. Oh, yeah. Well, that's one of the more weird ones, right? Mm. Trephining. You drill holes in people's heads. Yeah. So you can have a little more space and clarity in your thinking. Just just drill a couple holes in your skull. Yeah. I and they actually, that came back in the modern primitive movement in the 90s, actually. And oh, it's probably still around here and there. Mm. Yeah. You know, the Nazis were really into biohacking. <laughs> oh, God. They were. Yeah. They loved it. Loved a bit of biohacking and spirituality and wellness and all of that. They were yeah, well into it. It, it comes in, the, the mysticism thing um, plays into it all. The, and and some, somehow the weird ar- archaic mysticism stuff comes in. Um, so it's it's all interspersed. That reminds me of the Conspirituality podcast. Oh, yeah. I give a shout out to them. I was just listening to them today because... Uh, they try to kind of track down some of the roots of these different movements and how they interweave into spiritual ideas and how they take mysticism and throw uh, little bits of all these different ingredients in to create wondrous conspiracy theories and whatnot. So anyway, back to the male, the male science guys, the science not vibes and the wellness uh, warm fuzzy feeling. <laughs> yeah and you know you've got these like kind of hard-bodied rugged got it all together males and i think damn now, well groomed with their beards and their yeah. manscaping devices now yeah. i've got to say and the and the rolled up cuffs on the on the jeans yeah very, and, and suspenders very well groomed movement very well groomed movement and they and, and that's fine you know if men want to groom themselves it's just very much in contrast to how masculinity was depicted you know it's you're you uh you get up you don't have a wash you don't use any moisturizer or maybe you have a wash but you just sprinkle a bit of water on your face you know still smelling a booze and i will say from the night before i prefer listening to huberman or some of these guys than what our options were as men uh 20 25 years ago which was a bunch of like scraggly old guys sitting around in a room drinking beer arguing about sports yeah me too so now now men have something to do other than that (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) but but it's something to do isn't it and i think that that is very male whereas you know the the female it is something to be like we're we're going into the bougie yoga studio and we're surrounded by beautiful, unaffordable products and it's well lit, soft lighting and you just go into the room to be <laughs> and to open up. And, you know, in, in as a yoga teacher, we use terms like flower and things like that in the, the classroom. And it's, it's, it is quite feminine, even though its roots were not actually feminine. It was kind of like male. Um very male from India 
But when it was brought into the West, it became that. And yeah, like this being versus doing. So for men, there's a lot of doing. And I have to say that I actually, I actually do love the the kind of sciency aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Love a good data point. Love my wearable device and getting the science and understanding all of that and geeking out on all of that. So this is not to say that one is for men and one is for women. It's just more like a masculine, feminine thing. And well, obviously yeah, men may be more drawn direction for sure. Towards kind of the Although Huberman the human does claim that he his listenership is fifty percent male and fifty percent female. So really? That's, yeah, that's he, interesting. Yeah, well, they're all on the the Huberman kink, aren't they? All the wives. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how big that really is. I know. But, I'm not sure. It's funny. You know, so I, I I think we should mention some of the different things that are kind of going on now. People have yeah. heard a lot of them, but you know, there's intermittent fast fasting. Uh, sleep optimization is very big and there's a lot that goes around that and there's a lot now going on with uh, light exposure not exposing yourself to blue light after certain hours and making sure you only get red light and making sure then you get certain red light spectrum and then in the daytime you want to expose yourself to blue wavelengths and photons and get the cortisol up so you know now you're starting to have to know about when your cortisol is supposed to rise and when it's supposed to decrease and then you want to take some ashwagandha but you don't want to take the ashwagandha in the morning because your cortisol is <laughs> supposed to go up you want to take it at the night because your cortisol is supposed to go down so yeah it, it, it gets just crazy. keeps tunneling and it's cool and it's fun to play with but it can get a little overwhelming. Yeah, and also there are there are people like the almond mums who have that kind of mindset. You know, they they get into something and their minds get very fixated. Yeah, it becomes and I was thinking about this just as you were speaking, it's like a substitute for religion. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. these ritualized practices and uh, human beings have desire for ritual and practice Mm. and so these things naturally feed into that desire and and there's that can supply a sense of connection a sense of meaning the only problem is is that if you don't keep focused on why you're doing it and you don't know what it's all about it can be very empty yeah and And become perfectionistic Become what? Perfectionistic. Well, sure, that can that can be part of it if that's your vein to become perfectionistic about it and judging and harsh. That certainly can become superior. A, and superior, yeah. <laughs> well, and that we'll be talking about status in the future, and so leading into like higher status because you do these certain practices or yeah. because you're performing at a certain level or because you have X amount of body fat or whatever the case may be. Exactly, or or just because you're you are mimicking the practices of high-status males or females. Mm. And it's really interesting because you look at somebody, for instance, bring another name in, Peter Atia, who's written the book Outlive, who's this brilliant doctor and, and has all these accomplishments and has done athletic things that are just off the charts. He's just come out and said, look, basically I'm so type A that people had to do an intervention in on me take me out to the desert and i had to do like a type a detox for whatever it was a month or a couple weeks and he had to he had to get his head straight 
because he just had so much intensity and so much drive. He calls his podcast The Drive. Yeah. Right? But on the outside, it would look like this is just this incredible high-functioning male. He's brilliant. He's writing books. He's, he's clear. He's capable. On the inside, the guy was driving himself, drive himself absolutely nuts. And a lot of these guys, Tim Ferriss had to come around, and Tim Ferriss is the, the four-hour workweek guy who's had this ongoing podcast. He's one of the big biohackers. And he's had to come around, and now he's uh, done a lot of trauma therapy and a lot, a lot of just therapy in itself and psychedelic-assisted therapy. And so, interestingly to me, you can kind of pump yourself up or pump yourself full of all these practices and optimize yourself to the nth degree, but there's really no substitute for coming back and knowing yourself. Yeah, I guess that that was beautiful. And just the idea of a, a type A detox is absolutely hilarious. And, and it, remember, he wasn't addicted to any drugs. He wasn't. He wasn't a sex addict. There was nothing there except just his type A, his type A internalized pressure system. Yeah, you just get. I mean, he he is like the perfect example of you know when somebody's a real perfectionist, high functioning perfectionist and yeah that's that's often what I see you know with people who are like that and I do train and coach high performing women and that's a lot of what I am often dealing with like okay you've got to okay well you're going to use these practices the breathing the meditation and how are we optimizing your life we are optimizing you by bringing you down a few notches by bringing you into your body and home to yourself and it's more actually it's more self-regulation than it is about optimization and there is a difference and I actually do want to make that clear because especially if you have some mental health issues especially if you have health issues physical health issues that you're trying to work on having these practices in your life is fantastic it is a true gift and doing them every day when you're struggling is really important so i just want to make sure that that's clear while we have a little bit of fun absolutely and yeah well said so it's not about not taking care of yourself it's about the fact that what are we taking care of mm. it's about the question what are we taking care of yeah pushing and yourself to there like are things levels. that you can't take care of in yourself by doing a cold plunge every morning in, in an ice bath there are things that you can't take care of in yourself by having a biofeedback device tell you what your heart rhythms are or how your breathing is. Those things are valuable. Even in meditation and mindfulness, people can be in meditation and mindfulness for a lot of years, but if they're not working on the content of that mind, on the content of their self, and understanding that self, uh, that can come up hollow. That can be just another ritualized practice. Mm. So you may learn to even calm yourself and bring yourself to some peace, but the residual traumas or the residual reactivities don't ever get touched. 
Yeah. Well, there's the other part of it where I think I would say the masculine rather than the male so that we're not making it kind of gendered, but like the the masculine end of it, I think it's more about productivity. So in the morning, they're getting up at 5 a.m., CEO time, apparently. Yeah. Right? Right, right. <laughs> it's not true, by the way. We've been getting up at 5 a.m., and I'm not doing any more work than I did when I got up at 8 a.m., so it's a load of crap. But anyway, the CEO time, 5 a.m., means they can get up, they can do their workout, they can get in the ice bath, although they shouldn't do that on the same day as they're working out. They might then go and get a sauna. Then they're going to go and get light in their eyes, and they're going to wait an hour and a half after they've got up before they can have their caffeine. Or else you'll have an afternoon crash. Of course, have an afternoon crash, and you don't want that because you've got this big deal to work on or you've got to record a podcast or whatever and you want to be at your best. And so it's all about that. You know, it's like the Gillette, the best man can get, be your best. And um, that's what it's about. It's about functioning, functioning at a higher level than anyone else and being brilliant. And, you know, that's an okay game to play. But there's a lot of people that play that game and then it comes up empty for them. They realize that maybe towards the end of their life, things like love, relationship, friendship, a sense of empathy, a sense of feeling connected to themselves, even the ability to take nourishment from nature, like a forest bath, those things can really suffer if you become this high-drive male that's completely focused on success. Yeah, and and intention is everything. That is something that we always used to say in the yoga room. And so we now all have like these this blueprint for health and longevity. But if the reason that you are doing these things is to be more productive and to function better, like okay, I've just learned that to live longer, I need to form deeper, better social connections. And so I go and do that so I can live longer. You know, it's <laughs> it then just kind of becomes almost like this stressful, pressured event that's for something else and so we're still just doing instead of being and we're still engaging the stress hormones and so we're never actually dropping out into that relaxed place which is actually going to help us live longer right so it's i was actually reading the Tao Te ching this morning you know and the the fundamental line of the Tao Te ching is that which can be named is not the Tao. so when we live as if everything's a commodity, even our life, even our time on life, even our friendships, even the, the nutrition that we take, if everything's a commodity and we live as these producer-consumer units, we've basically just taken this kind of dominant, dominant advertising paradigm and tried to shove it down our own throats. Of course we're going to puke it back up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. So it's like, don't mistake the finger for the moon. Yeah. You know, we're here to live life and we're here to be in life, you know, and I think really, you know, the overarching message is 
you know, when optimizing becomes a job in and of itself, is it really optimal? Yeah, that's beautiful. So when say that again, can you say it again? When optimizing becomes a job, is it really optimal? You know, like if you are wearing mouth tape and you don't breathe out of your mouth, which oh, yeah, a lot of people the, are doing. That was the that bit was that. too. We that was the re- bit. Refer back to that bit <laughs> <laughs> that we did. It's a callback. There was mouth tape on my mouth apparently when I was <laughs> when I was sleeping in the skit. <laughs> but there is, I mean, there's a good reason for why some people need to use it because they need to learn to breathe out of their nose. But if you're breathing out of your nose, you don't need to use mouth tape. But a lot of people are, you know. So that's the perfect example. Right. So bottom line is, why are we here? What do we really want? What's truly important? What's it all about, Alfie? Yeah, exactly. And real wellness is being able to function in imperfect conditions. And like I said before, if you have physical or mental health conditions that you're working with, you may not be there yet. But that's the goal, right? So the goal is not to be so precious that we can't function in the world if we haven't had morning meditation time or we haven't had our breathing ritual. Maybe we want to be doing those things most of the time, but we also want to be able to get out in the world, to be a human being when, you know, we've just got to get up and get an early flight or something. Yeah, and so hopefully our life doesn't fall apart if we didn't get the cold plunge. <laughs> That's it. That's the point. And do we really need to be doing all of this stuff and spending hours and hours on ourselves before we can just enter life? Yeah. And ultimately, really, are we doing all this to try to justify our existence, to try to be okay? It's not that we shouldn't do it. It's just that we want to know why the hell we are doing all this. And what it's all about again. Yeah, what's the deeper value in there for you? So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I feel like I've got a little caught up in optimization and no judgment because I've been there myself as well. One of the original biohackers, 2015. You know, it's it's just coming back to yourself and, and reassessing, you know, what's in it for me? Why am I actually doing this? And how is this adding value to my life? Do I need to do it? And uh, just being honest, I think. And okay. also, is it a replacement for feeling value? Is it a replacement for feeling contentment? Is it a replacement for feeling a sense of capacity and will and strength? Yeah. So, yeah, that's a pretty good bite <laughs> of that topic, I think. Yeah, brilliant. I don't need a human husband because I've got a tea husband. Oh. <laughs> and I don't need an almond wife because <laughs> I've got an apple wife. <laughs> My nickname was Applehead when I was young at listeners. <laughs> anyway, I think, uh, is, that, is that done? I'm going to go and uh, get myself some uncounted almonds from the fridge. Oh, yes. Well... <laughs> There's an abundance of organic California almonds sitting right there in the refrigerator for you to count or not count. Okay, but don't forget your mouth tape tonight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
It would really mean so much to us if you enjoyed this podcast. Please rate, follow, and review us. Special thanks to Reed Anderson for our theme music.